are now listening to You Will Drive Effortless Growth with your host and CEO Brand Whisperer, Brett Sklar. Hey, folks, before we get into this podcast interview with the illustrious and awesome Brett Goldberg from Specs, I wanted to tell you a couple of reasons why I think this is one of the most incredible podcasts that you will hear. Brett Goldberg is a guy I've known for a long time. However, I didn't realize how awesome he is until this podcast. Sure, he's another guy named Brett, around the same age. He's also very entrepreneurial. He's a loving father. He loves being in Colorado, loves to ski. But that's really where our commonality is sort of ends. He's impressive. His focus on keeping the company put together as far as a vision and a path, he is impressive in the models and the methodologies he uses to really keep things aligned and manage accountability within his organization. And I think this is a podcast you're going to absolutely love. You'll feel the grit that Brett has in getting his job done. You'll feel that perseverance. You'll feel that drive. And without further ado, I introduce you to the interview with Brett Goldberg of Specs. All right. Good day, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, or however early or late you decide to work or listen to this podcast. I am super excited today. We've got a special guest, Brett. Not just Brett Me, but Brett Goldberg, who is a CEO of Specs. Uh, Brett is a guy that I've known for a very long time, and I've enjoyed watching his journey. Brett, welcome to the show. Uh, Brett, great to have you, or great to, great to be here, I should say. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the opportunity to be a part of, uh, uh, part of your show. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, as I mentioned, Brett has had a really, uh, I think, cool journey and a very smart journey in his world, uh, in, his, in his process to, to get to the CEO state. And I think um, there's a lot of success and a lot of stuff to learn from that. And so, you know, Brett, with that intro and sort of putting a lot of pressure on you, um, I actually want to ask you a, a bit of a different question. Uh, you know, I, I follow you. I Facebook stalk you because, you know, Brett's are always good. Uh, fun to, to watch on Facebook. And you just went to Sundance. I did go to Sundance. I, I love Sundance. I don't, have you been there before? Have you ever gone there? I, gone I there? have not, but that is definitely a bucket list situation. It, it's great. It's, um, uh, Park City is a blast. I have um, uh, a brother and his family that live there. Um, so that gives us an, another excuse to, to go, although they just moved there about a year ago. So, so that's relatively new to include them in the plans. Um, but Sundance is a, um, is, is a quality moviegoers experience. Uh, and uh, my fiance and I really enjoy movies. And it's, uh, it's a hip town and it's a great place and it's great energy. And it's, um, yeah, it's something I've done three or four times, but this year was truly the first time we went very intentionally to go see a lot of movies, and we saw two or three ones that were really excellent, uh, ones that you you will be seeing the, uh, the 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 larger population will get exposure to, I'm sure, over the next year. Nice, nice. Well, I'll have to I'll have to uh, follow up and get some notes from you because that's definitely one of the things I want to do uh, soon. I've started to uh, spend a little bit more time doing things out there that I wanted to. Uh, I got to go to CES this year just for fun, uh, Consumer Electronics Show, yep. and and uh, Sundance is definitely one of those that I, I want to hit pretty soon. But hey, let's get into um, talking about you, um, and you know. If you could, Brett, uh, just give us a couple of minutes. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, what you do, and, and what you love to do. Uh, my pleasure. I, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm 
proud to be uh, third generation from Denver, Colorado. Uh, I grew up uh, in Denver, Colorado, um, and uh, ventured off for, for college to, to North Carolina. I'm a proud uh, Duke Blue Devil, as you know, um, and you know, left college, graduated from college in in the late '90s, early 2000s, right right as the first dot com. Uh, era was taking flight. Um, I caught it at an interesting point because it crashed uh, shortly after I got excited about it. But that opportunity, uh, what that exposed to me through, you know, through my early 20s, um, during those college years, that, um, that, that an entrepreneurial career as a technologist was truly there for the taking uh, and that you could build a business much more efficiently cost-wise and otherwise than, than you had before um, became evident to me and almost really a, a career calling. And so uh, not long after school, um, ventured into my first startup, uh, ventured far into that startup over the next five years, um, which was focused on digital media, IP television. Uh, we were even dabbling in some things that have now uh, really now could take on the form of YouTube, which is funny and another conversation for us to have maybe over a beer or something one day. Um, but it was uh, that was my calling. It, it became really you know very much an identity thing for me to to grow and to build businesses. And so um, after that took. Uh, flight and, and ultimately, unfortunately, imploded uh, around 2008, 2009, uh, in conjunction with this, the, the recession of that era, um, I realized I needed to get um, some more training, some more experience, some more exposure to um, bigger stage, later stage companies, worked for five years uh, at a combination of level three communications and service source um, which are large technology companies, both in telecom and service source, which is a, a publicly traded technology BPO company based here in Denver. Um, as that was winding down or after a few years of doing that, I said, it's time to uh, take this skill set, this experience, my expanded network and get back into startups. Uh, so I was uh, involved as the first executive running sales and marketing uh, at Philo, um, which was previously called Tivoli, which is now a uh, Mark Cuban NEO, uh, NEA HBO venture-backed business uh, out of San Francisco, uh, worked with that company for a couple of years, and then got introduced to the original founders of Specs. Um, here at Galvanize, uh, the original Galvanize location in the Golden Triangle, uh, through a close buddy of mine, Chris Onan, who is uh, one of the founders of Galvanize and, and exposed me really to what it was that Specs was working on. And I said, this is uh, an interesting set of problems to be solved. And, and wow, the insurance industry, that, that is uh, a massive industry likely in need of new kinds of technology solutions and new kinds of efficiencies. Uh, and so with that in play, got into this business and uh, uh, have been working on it now for about four years. And uh, we're, we're, at a, we're at an interesting inflection point in our growth and, and, and in the problems we're trying to solve for. So that's a little about me. And uh, I, I very much identify with being a uh, entrepreneur. I increasingly identify with being an early stage um, CEO and I'm uh, really thrilled about, you know, wh where, where I am on the, on the career journey at this point. Perfect. No, and I, you know, it's pretty interesting. I'm thinking back and I think you and I got to know each other. Um, and, and we actually have a lot of worlds that, uh, that, that intersect, but we got to know each other at level three. And, um, you know, to me, obviously, uh, I had met a lot of people at level three. Um, and, and there were, there were some interesting characters that were there. And 
you were a person that was very easy to work with. You definitely had that entrepreneurial spirit um, and you were at a larger company and having you explain your journey a little bit uh, really gives me a good perspective on, on sort of what made it you probably more special and also more um, successful and also maybe a little bit uh, on the outer edges of what uh, a large company employee would be at a level three. So that's, uh, that's really cool to hear. Thank you. Um, the, the other thing you mentioned, I, I kind of have to dive into because the topic of this podcast is drive effortless growth and driving innovation into the insurance industry is kind of the antichrist of effortlessness. Um, it seems to be an industry that um, is, is oftentimes slow to adopt um, and, and sort of uh, looking for solutions, but, but not necessarily the fastest ones to get there. And so how do you, how do you make that or turn that opportunity uh, and the challenge of an industry that tends to be slower to adopt into an opportunity and a growth uh, engine for specs? Um, you know, I, I think there's sort of two categories uh, of people as it relates to innovation. One is the kind of person that innovates for, for innovation's sake. They, they always want to be, you know, from an adoption curve standpoint, if you think about, you know, Jeffrey Moore or others in that regard, they always want to be on the leading edge of innovation and adoption. And, and, and then as you get more into the, the, the laggard categories, the mid-market of the bell curve or later, um, innovation becomes um, uh, a necessity. Um, change becomes a requirement. And doing things differently, while it may not be um, um, the, the preferred option, becomes the option that one is forced to, to pursue. Uh, and so sp speaking broadly for a second about property and casualty insurance, um, which is where SPECS focuses, and in particular, we focus on residential and commercial insurance. There's been two real macro business issues uh, that have emerged for, for the segment. Num number one is um, a, a limited amount over the last decade plus of top-line growth. Um, and if top-line growth isn't happening for a market, um, that naturally can squeeze margins. And if margins are being squeezed, um, then some of the factors that go into um, thinking about change, thinking about the resources, thinking about the processes and the workflows, thinking about the incorporation of new technologies becomes a necessity to say, wait a second, if I include this new technology or this new solution into my business and it improves my margins, that that's that's what the CEO of of our insurance carrier, whoever maybe, is asking us to do, uh, and so that's that that can be driver number one. And driver number two um, is customer satisfaction and customer engagement. Um, and I think the insurance industry is is increasingly finding itself being scrutinized by its policyholders, its customers, its members, and people are saying, by and large, with the occasional exception of say maybe a USAA or an Amica where customer satisfaction is, is, is truly valued and the NPS scores and things are truly high, many others are going, wait, wait a second, why, why am I paying these monthly premiums? What am I getting for it? And so in many ca uh, categories of insurance, um, people churn their insurance carrier after they file a claim, for example, because wait a second, I was supposed to be in good hands and now I'm not. 
and I don't know where my claim loss is, and it's taking too long, and I can't back, get back into my home. And those are the kinds of pain points that causes churn, causes frustration, causes low scores, and causes change. And so really, when I started to understand the problems that Specs was solving and the industry environment with we, which in we were operating within, I went, wow, those, look at those two macro issues. They will ultimately create innovation, whether the people that need to be buyers of that innovation are ready for it or not. And that was a, you know, a, a hypothesis I made in terms of personally getting involved with it. And I'd, I'd like to think over the last three or four years that hypothesis has played out. Nice. I mean, I, I think, boy, I can see why uh, Specs has had uh, great growth and, and why you've been at the helm of this is like the the fact that what you're doing is you're leveraging technology for the sake of business growth and business optimization, not technology for the sake of technology, which is what a lot of technology companies tend to do a little too much of. Uh, so I love that perspective that you bring and that it is um, at the, the laggard end, but it's really helping people operationalize and optimize their business. Uh, it's not as much about the technology. Um, we, we talk about, we talk about that Brett all the time. I mean, we, we, uh, in our industry with the trades and the publications we, we see daily, um, it, it's, it's technology for technology's sake all the time. And the, the, the most pointed example of that is, is drone technology. And I mean, it is truly, um, by its very definition, the bright, shiny object in the sky. And it has been now for a year and a half, two years, um, a, you know, a hallmark of insure tech, uh, as, as the industry now calls it. And, and some of it is practical and, and some of it is not. I mean, that you can't, by and large, use a drone to handle a large number of the inspections that get conducted in, in our industry today for claims losses. And so we're going, what, what, how valuable is it truly? How impactful is it truly? Or is it just PR? Is it just marketing spiel uh, that can attract the attention of those that are, that are simply saying, oh, I, I need innovation, so, so I should go buy you know, some drones or we should go get some drone flyers. Um, and, and that's not to say the drones don't have utilization, and we think they do, um, but it really needs to be about practical solutions, modern solutions, modern technology. Uh, and we've really very much anchored our solution set to true validated problems uh, that our customers are trying to solve for. Yep. Yep. And so I, that kind of leads me to the next question. And this is my favorite question that I like to ask people. Um, and you kind of answered it indirectly. But is specs defining a category or are you competing in a category that already exists? Uh, this is a great question, uh, and and uh, you know, in in thinking about it, I I would I'd say a couple of things. We're we're defining uh, a category, uh, but we're taking back a category, really. Uh, and and what I mean by that is that specs, and for those that would be interested, you could go to specsreport.com and learn a little bit more about us. Um, what we focus on, what we do is, is we focus on the field scope. Uh, and the scope is about the inspection, the data, and the documentation capture that comes from um, uh, inspections, from property inspections. And looking at that as the compilation of photos and videos and notes 
and diagrams by and large and saying, if you compile this information more comprehensively and more efficiently, you're creating the nucleus with which derivative things can occur. One of those in our industry is the estimate, but there are photo sheets and narrative reports and a variety of other takeaways um, and, and, and um, deliverables really that insurance carriers and their policyholders are interested in. Um, we think we're thinking about insurance first. There's a lot to be done in that market, and it may only be the market that we focus on as we continue to grow. But there is expansion into other areas where mobile-first, field-first solutions like this can apply. Real estate and construction uh, would be would be some of those categories as well. So again, we're, we're defining a category in a lot of ways that didn't exist because we're replacing the clipboard and the graph paper as the solution that was used for the last 20 or 30 years. Um, but in a lot of ways, the industry has known um, since the beginning of its time that it needed to send someone out and it needed to focus on the scope um, and just over time through technologies or other solutions that entered the market, the scope became less um, valuable. And in that have been some of the challenges that we've seen emerge. Got it. I, I tell you, I love that. That's my favorite thing that I think I've heard anybody say. And this question is, um, you're taking the category back. You know, you're taking back a category. Um, and, and hearing you explain that the category being defined is really the technology innovation uh, to make people more efficient out in the field, but at the same time, it's not replacing that people need to be on site to really get uh, the full picture of what's taking place. So, uh, kudos, man. That's my favorite. Uh, that's my favorite soundbite so far. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so let's 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 um, step away from specs for a moment and let's focus on Brett, the CEO. What do you think is a unique perspective you bring to the role? and the duties and responsibilities and honor of being CEO? Um, it, it, it is, um, it's, it's, an, it's an incredibly challenging uh, and also an incredibly rewarding um, experience and position. I, I, I sometimes joke that, that the E, which I, which I guess is probably meant to be executive, um, should be replaced at an at an early stage business with with everything. Um, the chief everything officer is, is is what it feels like on certain days. And 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 what I mean by that, I think, really is um, you have key constituents that you need to be thinking about all the time. And and the two that matter the most are the the customers who you're solving problems for, and and the employees, the team who you're solving problems with. And you, you, you need those two um, constituent bases to be um, thinking about it the right way, thinking about the business the right way, working in, in the right way, collaborating in the right way. And it, it, it feels like my challenge and my honor and my privilege to kind of think about both of those worlds each and every day uh, with specific priorities to be solved for, and my good days are the ones that I that I prioritize right and well, and I truly, truly create value for this entity. My my bad ones are the days where I'm flailing, uh, and I feel like no value was created 
um, with my team, by our team, by myself, uh, towards the problems that we're trying to solve. Uh, and on a day by day by day basis, like every day is a new opportunity. Every day is a new, you know, set of challenges. And do you really judge your, not judge yourself. That's a bad way to express it. Um, do you uh, sort of check your performance chart on a day in and day out basis? Day in and day out. It, it is, it, 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 it never, it never stops. It, it never quits. Um, it's a, it's a challenge for me, admittedly, in terms of uh, when, and how to shut the motor off, when and how to achieve, you know, work-life balance. And, and um, it, it goes in waves. And, you know, frankly, I, <clears throat> I love the flexibility uh, that, that some of this creates for me. This is, this is not a nine-to-five experience for me, but there can be days that I leave the office at, at, at three or four to go pick up my son and, and, and play basketball with him. And uh, I'll likely be back in front of my computer working a few hours later after he goes to sleep. Um, right. But it's, it ebbs and it flows based on just when I get those adrenaline rushes, when I get those bursts of energy, when I feel like I can truly dive in and solve a problem or create value in a moment. And it's, um, uh, it's, a, it's a highly flexible, um, highly rewarding, highly challenging um, uh, set of responsibilities and opportunities in that regard. So then, um, you know, again, going back to the topic here of drive effortless growth, what's worked for you? What's been effortless uh, in, in the sense of things that just come natural for you? And what's been your greatest challenges or the things that are hardest for you to overcome? Um, yeah, you know, I think you also kind of asked the question too a little bit and that sort of what, is it, what does it mean uh, to, to drive effortless growth? And, you know, I think... I, I think a, a lot of that for me, it comes back to that topic of solving real customer problems with, 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 with practical and valuable solutions. Um, if, if I were to stay fixated, you know, day in and day out over the last few years on, on our balance sheet or our income statement, um, that, that might have felt far from effortless and that might have felt really quite, quite, quite painful at times, actually. Um, but it, it, you know, I, I've, I've continued to look at, at the market. I've continued to look at the macro. I've continued to look at our customer engagement. I've continued to look at the referrals from customers that we're starting to generate. Um, even, even our ability to pick up the phone and, and get a customer to engage with us more effectively. And, you know, that, that feels more effortless to me. That feels more um, almost natural and organic to me. Um, and so I, I think in that, that's, that's probably in a nutshell, Brett, what I would say is that definition of driving effortless growth is, is focus on solving real customer problems and, and the growth and the revenues and, and the byproducts from that um, will, 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 will come. Um, so let me, let me just, I mean, let me just start with, or, or I guess stop with that. I, any, any thoughts or reactions to that from you? I mean, I know you've seen it in a lot of different ways and heard a lot of different people answer that question. Does that resonate in terms of what you've heard before or thought about? I mean, I think what you're doing is, you know, that, that focus on driving value for the customer and that customer experience and, and it really being all uh, focused on the customer. And it even goes back to a comment you made 
before about um, you know you, your unique perspective, and you said you know that the audiences are your customers who you're working or who you're solving for, and the teams who you're solving with. It's all about the customers and the customer experience and the customer journey. And it seems like one of the things that you're doing really uh, phenomenally, and and quite honestly, it's 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 hard for a lot of people. And the fact that it's effortless for you is fantastic. Is that north star, that eye on the prize, that that one thing? You know, Curly and in, uh, in, in the movie with uh, uh, oh gosh, can't remember it right now, but he's like, what's that one thing? And uh, City Slickers. And that's you. That's that's what's making it effortless as far as the growth goes. As far as I can tell, is that 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 north star that you point to. Um, so I imagine that it makes it more effortless for those around you because, you know, one of the challenges with CEOs that are 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 truly playing the role of the chief everything officer is that the employees sometimes don't know where to focus day in and day out, especially with a CEO um, as driven as you that measures your performance day in and day out. Um, so I, you know, I think you're, you're mixing the right things to bring it to light and keeping that focus, even though the KPIs, um, you know, that you're looking at for yourself day in and day out, you know, some days are better, some days are worse, some days there's, you know, putting out the fire, some days you're actually able to work on that vision and that path. Uh, but I think you're, it sounds like you're really doing it right. I guess what's for you, what's, what's the I, I would. Thing? Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, I, the hardest, the hardest part, but just, just piggybacks right off of what, of what you said. It is, uh, it, it's, it's a cliche in my mind to say when, when a, you know, a venture capitalist or someone says it's all about focus. It's, it's all about execution. Yeah. We know the hard part is determining what today, what this week, what this month, what this quarter to focus on. Um, okay, just focus on the revenue. Yeah, yeah, but what what are the what what creates that augmented MRR or ARR stream? That these are right. those are outputs of of the sausage making process. You just want the sausage to be served with you, but 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 the CEO and and our teams are are actually in the trenches, you know, making the sausage and and what goes into saying I'm going to focus today on the right things and we're going to deliver value on the right things. And so we've, we've employed, and it's pretty recent. It's certainly within the last, you know, six, nine months, we've employed some frameworks that are really helping us to talk the same language. If I'm talking to uh, Peter Kruger, who runs customer success for us, or, or, or Jay Contreras, our, 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 one of our sales executives, it's, it's what, who, who's responsible for what? And we've used constructs like racy. I don't know if that's one you've heard before or not um, as a real effective way to say who, okay, a lot of people are going to have points of view on this. There may be a lot of contributors to this decision, but who's the R who's responsible for this thing because it's ultimately on that person's shoulders to get this particular thing done. And so those kinds of frameworks, those kind of constructs, I think have helped us to focus more and better on the right things at a given moment. But it's a hard thing. It is, it is hard. And I mean, day in and day out, I carry in front of me a notepad, as anyone who works with me knows, that lists the, what am I doing today on February 7th? And, and I am very thoughtful in the morning when I wake up to spend 10 or 15 minutes outlining my day with as much organization and anticipation as possible for the things that I need to get done. 
You know, I was going to, the next question I was going to ask, and we're kind of going off of our, our uh, script here, but I think this is really good path is what's your model or what's your methodology? And you answered that, you know, racy. Um, and I've heard racy before. Some of our clients have implemented that. Uh, but would you give the 30 second overview of, of racy and then also how you apply it in your life and in your business? Um, RACI is an acronym. I, I, it may be originally a, a, a strategic consulting firm like a McKinsey construct, but it's, it's responsibility, accountability, contributors, and informed. Um, and it's, it's looking from a responsibility matrix lens at a, at a given um, task or thing to be done and saying, who, who, is, who is the responsible party for that thing? Who is accountable to the results uh, of that thing, who was used to consult or contribute to that thing, and who's informed uh, about the status of that thing. A, a board member, for example, may be in an I position on a, on a given matter or a, a given decision. Uh, and, and we've implemented that more and more effectively across our business. We had a meeting this morning where a bunch of people were, were weighing in but ultimately, it was clear to me in terms of what happens from here, how we move the ball forward, that one particular individual on our team was the R. Uh, and as a scarlet letter on his chest, there's an R, and <laughs> it's his job to go get this thing done. So, so others may have had a point of view. That's really great, but their point of view matters less than the person who is actually responsible for that thing because that person is the one who I'm looking to to move the ball forward. And so that's, that's just a little bit of expansion on, on, on what that is. Nice, nice. So as far as other models you use, like for as far as mm -hmm. goal setting and, and sort of making sure that the organization is aligned with what the strategic and tactical goals are, do you implement some kind of um, system like a, a, a EOS or, or a 12-week you know, year or anything to that effect? Well, we do um, uh, on a on a non-tool, uh, non-system basis. Um, I, I've really liked the implementation of the last year of something we call OMD, um, Objectives, Methods, and Detail. Um, method could be synonymous with the approach that you're taking in order to achieve that objective. Um, the important thing of OMD is, is the waiting. Um, how much time, how much energy is going into each of those three areas. The objective should be 50% of the problem to be solved. What you're focusing on your time. Are we working on the right thing? Are we thinking about this in the right way? Are we identifying the right solution for that customer problem? The method should be 40% of the effort. Let's figure out the game plan to go achieve that objective. And the D, the details, is, is simply 10% of what needs to be discussed, what needs to be reviewed. And I increasingly, as I've trusted members of our team more and more, focus less and less myself on the details. That's what those team members are there to do is, is figure out the logistics, the operations, the timelines, the execution plan. I try to stay focused on the more objective-oriented, approach-oriented considerations on a given thing. So that's, at a high level, uh, an important construct we use. You know, certainly at the more tool level, um, we love and we value Pivotal Tracker. We love and we value Salesforce. Uh, and we're increasingly getting value out of platforms like Product Board and SamePage as a way to keep us on the same page uh, and focus on the right things. And in the case of something like Product Board, and I know some companies use AHA uh, in a similar kind of way, that's a tool to say, we're looking at something 
we're evaluating the degree of difficulty and we're also evaluating the ROI from a customer lens and that helps inform what goes into future software releases and future things we may be informed by is that weighting, uh, which is nicely identified and highlighted within the product board construct. And so there was a lot within what I just shared, but hopefully some of that is, is, is useful here, Brett. No, I think that is incredible. So not no, but yes, that is incredibly, incredibly valuable. I mean, you shared two things, the RACI model, which really keeps people accountable. OMD, I think is, you know, another way I would describe OMD or think about it is it's how you are successfully able to be the chief everything officer without going out of your freaking mind. Yes. Um, and so it keeps, yes. it keeps an eye on the prize and it keeps the priorities in check and allows you to be everywhere and maybe it's a chief everywhere officer without being the chief everything officer because you're focused on the O and making sure that the M's are sort of in place. And then when it gets to D, you're not having to get buried in details that quite honestly, A, you shouldn't be getting buried into. B is it's taking away the creativity of the team that you've built. And C is um, that is the worst you know way to utilize your most limited resource, which is time. And I and 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 frankly, I'm not. I mean, I I think there there certainly are CEOs out there that can go a mile wide and an inch deep at every single moment of every single day. Um, but one of my observations, having been in, in in really three startup environments at this point, is it's impossible to sprint a marathon. And the pace uh, with which, the perseverance with which is required to run this kind of a race, I can't do that. I can't go a mile wide and an inch deep each and every day on each and everything. And so, it, but what I can do is I can always check in on the objectives. I can always check in on what are the three most important things for the business that need to be done today. And then I can work with the corresponding team members to get those things moved forward. And that's, uh, that's where I plug in. And, and, and that's how we keep, you know, that's how we keep chugging along. Wow. So I'm, I'm now, I think you've really done a great job to help frame, um, you know, why people like Elon Musk and people like Brett Goldberg are able to do so many things uh, in, in, in such a limited amount of time. Um, you know, success. Did you just put me into the same, you put me into the same category in the same word as Elon Musk. That is hilarious. <laughs> but, I, but, but, it, but, but no, I think, I mean, I think, you know, if, if, if only to say, you know, what are some of the habits of highly productive people? Uh, well, look, that's something that I aspire to. And, and maybe only, only for the second of this podcast, can I even slightly begin to share a headline with him, but I'm appreciative. Nice, nice. No, I, I, it's, I think you've got that process in place and uh, um, that's impressive and you don't see that from emerging early stage uh, technology companies very often. Uh, it's, it's always rapid fire or ready, you know, ready fire aim and it seems like you are putting those pieces in place. Um, so I, I think we're, we're, we're actually, uh, you know, going a little bit beyond our time. So, uh, but I, I, I cannot tell you how many uh, amazing and fantastic ideas you shared with with us today. Um, a couple more, you know, a, a couple of little sort of final questions, which is, um, you know, if you had three points of advice to give an entrepreneurial CEO uh, to help them succeed, what would it be? Um, you know, I, 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 I think um, that 
it, it, it's, it's right to set the expectation up front that, that maybe you'll build a rocket ship and maybe it'll fly really far, really fast, really quickly. But I, I think that is lightning in a bottle. Um, and, and the better expectation to have is to plan to work really hard for a really long period of time. Um, a closely related point to that is do what you love. Make sure this is a problem you're excited to solve and that you're putting together a group of, of team members and resources that you're going to enjoy working with because it is, it is it's just going to be grueling. And um, I'm masochistic in that way. Uh, and in the case of something like Specs, I'm loving this. So it doesn't really feel like work each day. So it's e easy for me to just keep swimming. Um, but it's uh, But it's not going to come easily. And nothing's going to come easily would be sort of point number two. Point number three is that everything is going to take twice as long and require twice as much money as you think it will. Uh, and so as it relates to setting expectations from investors, setting expectations from board members, um, setting expectations even from team members who may be um, impatient and looking for a quick you know, 10x type return on, on their investment, Everyone needs to know that, that this is about a journey and it is about a marathon. And so, um, you know, put, put, put on your running shoes and, uh, and, and, and go at it for a scum style and just feel like running for a little bit because it's going to require that. Nice, nice. Okay. Um, you know, one of the last questions I want to ask you is you obviously have, um, you've got some great methods and methodologies in place and you've got a great attitude and you've got this great North Star, this focus. Where does that come from? Who's been your mentors and what has mentored you or where would you point people? Well, actually two, two different questions. One is who has mentored you to get you to the point where you are today? And the second question is, you know, how, where would you send people to learn ideas and methodologies that could help them get to the point where they're thinking, uh, not necessarily like you, but they have the same sort of drive and, and uh, not drive, but the, the desire to put the systems in place to help them scale? Well, you know, I mean, you, you kind of have one of the questions we kind of talked about a little bit before this, or you had shared is kind of this, the question of superpower and what, and what is, what's a superpower? I mean, I, I'd like to think I'm going to answer this question humbly, and hopefully my answer will be humble. And it is, it is to say if I had a superpower, it would probably be grit. Um, it would probably be perseverance. And I, and I have a, a bit of an intrinsic drive uh, that makes um, the early stage startup environment a, a, a bit more possible uh, and a bit more effortless, effortless for, for me. Um, th that said, I, I certainly grew up in a household um, with with a father, amongst others, who I saw working incredibly hard, both as a uh, an MD, as a doctor, but also as an entrepreneur himself, um, building up a, a very successful career, and it was inspiring to me. And I and I saw that journey. I was impressed by that journey. Um, he and I talk about it still all, all the time, and he he certainly still fuels that for me on a regular basis. Um, uh, otherwise, I, I think you know the creation of of mentors for me has been an organic process over a you know now twenty year career, nineteen year career, and it is to say. I have built relationships, even with folks here in Denver, a handful I can think of that I that I look to regularly to say, you you are you are my friend, you are my mentor, you are my advisor, you are someone I look up to, and it it, it it's about trust, 
Um, it's it's about a, a you know a mutual exchange of honest and direct feedback, and it was not about me. At least it hasn't been this way for me, Brett. You know, going up to to, to someone and saying, "Hi, we, you know, my name is Brett Goldberg, and will you be my mentor?" No, I think that's a that's a relationship like a deep friendship that takes a lot of time and a lot of care and nurturing to foster. Um, and so I, I have that going with a few folks now. I'm thinking about uh, a, a couple of younger individuals who who are building that relationship with me. And I truly, as as their mentor, them as my mentee, you know, value them. And and anytime they call me, anytime they text me, they they have my attention um, because it's been such a natural, evolving um, relationship over a, over now a period of time, and 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 with the trust that went into that. Yeah, and I think uh, one of them, and I, I keep forgetting that you and I have this. Uh, you know, uh, Chris Onan uh, obviously is, uh, and Chris, if you're listening, hi. Um, but uh, you know, Chris is definitely a uh, a sharp guy who has done some great things. And you know, you mentioned he was one of the connector points to you and Specs, uh, and he is, um, you know, uh, for for as not old as he is, uh, I wouldn't say young, but not old. You know, he definitely has a lot of great wisdom, and I think he's one of the guys that probably uh, I'm thinking of when you're you're talking about this, uh, and so. Um, boy, that's fantastic. And, and uh, you know, Brett, I think um, we've definitely gone over like the 30 minutes that I try to keep it under, but uh, I cannot tell you how uh, awesome this uh, session has been. Uh, such amazing nuggets. I honestly think that this will be the, the podcast where people will want to save it and listen to it a second time because there's so many different sound bites and so many different points that I think are very effective. You know, this focus on the customer having this vision and this this North Star for, for everybody involved. Um, your role as a chief everything officer and how you're able to use, you know, the, these methodologies or these models, you know, OMD and, and RACI, RACI to help keep everybody on that same page. You know, the tools that you use. And, and by the way, uh, we use same page. I love it, but I just love the name because you always seem to use the name of the product and then talk about keeping everybody on the same page. So it's just one of the, one of the best branding uh, of, of tools I think uh, ever in existence. Um, and, you know, uh, lastly, I just like to say that this proves that two Bretts are better than one. Um, you know, this has been fantastic. And uh, I, I, I have known you for a while, but uh, after this podcast, I personally uh, know you at a whole different level and am uh, truly grateful that you agreed to be on our podcast. And um, I'm excited to, to keep watching you. Uh, and I will actually put your LinkedIn profile in the podcast notes. I'll also send out a blog about this so people will be able to reach out to you and bother you, um, you know, fairly easily. Uh, any, any parting thoughts or any parting words for, for us? And the, the, this is, um, you know, I, I, I think the entrepreneur's journey is, um, it, it's truly a, a self-exploration exercise. Um, it, it is about business. It is about finance. It is, it is about psychology, you know, too, though, and, and, and really, you know, pushing one uh, to one's limits. Um, I mean, I, several, I consider everyone on our team to be entrepreneurs in their own way, working on their own entrepreneurial journeys. Several of our guys are, are great rock climbers and trail climbers and, and, and the kind of folks that just are looking for more from life. Um, and I think, you know, that very much it speaks to me and my own identity. And uh, we're, we're, we're doing this for lots of reasons, but one of the reasons is we just love 
this um, this journey that we're on towards fun and challenging and rewarding places. So I think those are you know key identifiers of the individual that pursues this kind of stuff. And uh, and if you're one of those people and want to uh, grab a coffee or beer with me and talk about it further, I am up for this conversation anytime. Perfect. And other than LinkedIn, and I'll send people the, or I'll put your LinkedIn profile on uh, on the notes. Is there other ways that you would like people to reach out to you? Um, Twitter is 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 fine as well, and um, uh, you know those are those are certainly good places to start, and then we can take it offline to uh, uh, to grab a, a local beer or otherwise if anyone's ever interested. Perfect. All right. Well, guys, you have heard it here. The the great, uh, and now I'm going to officially say the greater of the Bretts has uh, been a fantastic, fantastic guest. And uh, Brett, thank you so much. And I uh, can't wait to continue uh, to, to learn from you and hear from you and see how things get going. Thanks for the opportunity, Brett. Talk to you soon. Bye.